Hello, everybody. Welcome to On Podcast, the On Microsoft Podcast, where we talk about all things Microsoft on this podcast. <laughs> uh, my name is Kareem Anderson, and I'm joined with the world's greatest co-host today. Riff Bacchus. Yeah, we're here to talk about a ton of, you guessed it, Microsoft news. Uh, <laughs> we got uh, stuff about Cyberpunk. We have stuff about Windows. We have stuff about uh, emulation and ARM64 and and comparisons to Mac and Apple and what they're doing with stuff. And we also have stuff about what's going to be happening in the week ahead. So um, without further ado, we'll kind of uh, let Eric kind of guide us through what we're going to be talking about. So our first topic of the day is Windows 10 on ARM getting its big uh, 64-bit app emulation in the Windows Insider program. We'll lead off with that news, and we'll get a bit into some comparisons that people are making with these the 64-bit app emulation and how the Rosetta 2 works on Apple's M1 Max. And then Kareem, uh, tell us about the second topic. Yeah, the second topic is going to be something that I feel is kind of near and dear to uh, Arif's heart, which is uh, xCloud coming to PC and iOS because he does uh, use Apple and iOS devices. So this is kind of big news for not only Microsoft, but for people who have been waiting for that on um, on an iPad or an iPhone. Uh, then we're going to jump into some Windows 10 X stuff. You want to give some details about that? So uh, rumor has it that the final Windows 10 X build has been compiled and it could be ready for new devices or, or early next year. But this is not the Windows 10 X we saw last year. So we're just going to speed through some of the rumors, get you guys back up to date on what 10X is and what we could expect when, if if we if this rumors are, rumor is true and we end up seeing it by, uh, early next year. Then lastly, I mean, this is kind of hard to even talk about without tripping over it, is the <laughs> Cyberpunk 27, uh, 2077 news, uh, which is in filling forms and, and, and becoming memes all amongst itself <laughs> about the release of this. So we're going to dive into that and how uh, it's affecting uh, Xbox users. And then for the week ahead, which you will only find here on the On Podcast, we're going to talk about some big stories coming out of the Xbox side of Microsoft this week. The Game Awards were, I think, a couple couple days ago, and there were a lot lot of Xbox-related announcements. And we'll just uh, quickly speed through them and recap them. And then also the holidays are coming up, so... Uh, Microsoft had some updates for Teams for the holidays, and we'll go through those for you, too, in case you're going to be calling in people instead of going in person to people's houses this Christmas, obviously. Hopefully, yes. Uh, (laughs) So with that being said, let's just kind of jump into it. Um, Again, this first topic is something that I've been kind of recently researching because I didn't know too much about it, which is Windows 10 and ARM. Um, I knew... You know, I've written about it for, for the past couple of years, and I've known it as just uh, words on text for me. I haven't really kind of dug into what that means uh, as an application for things that I do uh, until recently. And, you know, for all its credit, and uh, Apple has kind of pushed the envelope about this discussion. Um, previously, it kind of just been vendors using it to kind of sell these new types of devices, usually ones with um, LTE modems and things like that, or carry or uh, broadband modems in them. Uh, but now we're kind of getting into what that means as far as uh, actual apps for, that were designed for uh, x86 to be being processed. And now that Apple's kind of shown what can be done versus the way Microsoft stumbled in trying to do it, 
we can kind of really see an apples to oranges comparison. Um, I kind of dug into it this weekend to kind of figure out what it was, what kind of magic sauce that Rosetta was doing that, you know, Microsoft seems to be publicly being, you know, ridiculed for because admittedly um, their version of, of uh, emulation hasn't been working. Uh, it took me all the way back to 2017, uh, Bill 2017, where uh, they've kind of took their wraps off of it. They had a session and they explained that, you know, it's less Im less virtualization, which I think a lot of people were kind of misunderstanding, uh, and more emulation and translation. Uh, and essentially the translation layer that they use, that Microsoft's using for Windows on ARM, is almost identical to what Rosetta, my Apple's Rosetta 2 is doing. Uh, and what it does is it takes, um, let me get, make sure I get this right. Um, it takes chunks of uh, x86 um, instructions and compiles them. Um, basically what it does is it you know reads everything beforehand, which is part of the slow part of this process, uh, and then puts them in a memory cache. And so in any other applications or or services that call upon those instructions can now pull from that. Um, the reason why it seems clunky and chunky in Microsoft's version of this is that it um, they haven't had a chip that's been able to keep that cache or enough cache of it uh, for other applications to use. So even the even the SQ1 and SQ2 struggled with this. Just to be clear. Well, yeah, uh, they were designed for GPU perform like pushes versus the memory cache, which is uh, something that um, Apple's really suck their teeth into in the way that they've done their L1s for, for, for storing all of this. They basically quadruple what has normally been in, in, in those areas. So yeah, SQ2 uh, is for GPU stuff, um, you know, things that were pulling, you know, visually moving the stuff across the screen and, and, and running uh, video playback, things visually that you can do. But as far as uh, instruction sets, um, they, you know, Qualcomm has kind of fallen behind um, or I guess I can't even say follow behind because they weren't really designed to do this to begin with. But um, they are struggling at the moment to kind of bring the same sort of uh, memory cache that uh, Apple has been doing. So that's what this uh, ARM64 is going to be doing. And now that uh, Microsoft can kind of um, test this in a beta right now, we can start seeing developers kind of make use of, you know, workarounds until we can get the hardware, the chip, design the fabrications uh, similar to Apple's to kind of pull this off. But once it's done, you know, if, you know, I guess Qualcomm came out with the 888 is what it is, what it is. 888 was for, I think that was the new for Android phones, not for desktops. Well, I mean, yeah, I don't know what they have for desktops, yeah. but uh, whatever the next version of their desktop uh, mobile chip set is going to be, uh, hopefully they'll address this uh, and somehow do some memory uh, maintenance on their chipsets to help push this forward. But, you know, the software is there. Microsoft is there uh, as far as, you know, having the, the stuff needed to do it. They just need the hardware. And they've been struggling with this. Uh, you know, Intel hasn't really helped them because they've kind of jumped out of mobile about <laughs> right. years prior. Um, and Microsoft has been waiting on Qualcomm to do something like this. AMD has some mobile chipsets, some uh, some versions of the Ryzen's are sort of capable of doing this. Um, so again, we're really just waiting on Qualcomm to figure out a way to kind of 
replicate this uh, memory on a chip slash GPU and resource uh, allocation um, that Apple's doing. I have a completely different take on this from you. See, yeah, the thing uh, I believe is that when Windows 10 on ARM launched, this, like you were saying, it was in 2017 when the majority of apps that people used were 32-bit apps. Okay, that, mm, that, that, yeah, that's, that, that, that's fine. And now we're in the year 2020 where uh, both Apple and Microsoft are pushing devs to use 64-bit apps because uh, the majority of machines have more than 8 gigs of RAM. You don't see no one with a 2 gigabyte of RAM machine out there anymore. So, and a lot of the 64-bit apps that people use and depend on did not work on the Surface Pro X. I, I think even Microsoft's blog post, it mentioned the big outlier there was Autodesk, which is a, lot, a program that a lot of engineers and 3D graphic designers use. It could not run on Windows 10 on ARM at all. And now with this 64-bit app emulation, you're opening the floodgates and letting people run almost every single app that they want to run on, on ARM devices and on the Surface Pro X, which is a problem that I had when I reviewed it. I mean, some of the stuff that I was running was, was running under 32-bit emulation, and it was slow, and it wasn't working right. So now that you have 64-bit app emulation, you're opening the floodgates, and you're making ARM devices more usable, and you're giving uh, ARM a shot in the arm, like what Apple did with the M1 chip. Yeah, um, and, and it should also be noted, like you, you mentioned, that um, the 32 application um, is this translation is also built into Microsoft's uh, ARM64 platform. They call it the WOW64, essentially, WOW64, which is uh, basically running a separate platform for opening up 32 bit uh, applications. Now, they don't really coincide with each other, which is probably why Microsoft slowly, a lot slower than Apple moved from 32-bit uh, and, and started uh, pushing 64 into the latest versions of Windows 10, um, hoping probably to get developers to, to, to move over there. But for those who either didn't want to or don't you know, find it financially viable to do so, this WA64 part of their uh, uh, ARM64 app, uh, layer still opens those. So those will still be there. Um, like you said, they'll be running a bit slower. Um, and again, this all is dependent on the way that resources are allocated on the chip itself. Um, again, as much as Microsoft is a software company, um, they haven't, they don't have, they haven't at least shown outwardly the expertise for the chip design. Uh, and that's basically, again, where the instruction sets go and where it's stored and how, um, memories pulled from that um, because they don't make the chip. So they have to rely on Qualcomm it, to figure it out, to, to figure out where the overhead's at um, and where to store stuff and how to keep things cool and how to move things back and forth in an expedient manner. Um, and again, I'm not saying that they're probably not in a lab somewhere with Qualcomm doing this. I'm, I'm almost certain that they are. I'm almost certain that they're doing with AMD and they're probably even experimenting on some versions of their own. But uh, with that being said, there are about four different chefs in the kitchen for for the windows on arm versus the one chef for apple apple right so, so just keep that in mind when when people start when as you you know go out and test um this new uh beta version of this um it will get better uh, and the more powerful chips which 
I would suspect come in, you know, next year, probably this time next year, um, if not the beginning of uh, 2022, we'll probably start seeing and hearing more about that. Uh, and again, this is a need in an in-demand situation. Right now, there hasn't been a demand by consumers or uh, product vendors to create these Windows Arms devices. Again, as Apple normally does, it'll push the market. Um, people will want to compare their, you know, surface device that gets, I say right now, about eight to nine hours of battery life. And this is a mixed use case. They'll want to say like, hey, I want to put mine up against your 20 hour one. I get about 16 hours or 17 hours, 18 hours. And when that's being, when those conversations are being said, that's when vendors will start to say, hey, I need a chip that can do this. And hopefully Qualcomm will be ready. So let's just move into our second topic now, which is xCloud coming to PC and iOS in 2021. We spoke about this, I believe it was a couple of podcasts ago when it was just a rumor, but now it's official. xCloud, well, I think the official name is Game game Streaming or Cloud Streaming. It's not so known it's, as xCloud anymore, but I like yeah, to call it xCloud. xCloud was so cool. Microsoft does what it does best. They like let a lawyer in. He's like, we'll call it game streaming for Xbox. Yeah, something point, that but point is, it's now coming to PC and iOS, and it's not just on Android, which pretty much, again, like I said in the last segment about opening the floodgates, it opens the floodgates for Xbox, and it puts Xbox in more, more people's hands. So, right... Uh, unfortunately, because of Apple being Apple, obviously Microsoft can't put the xCloud streaming on the App Store to the Xbox app like they have it on Android. So what they're going to do, like the rumor said a couple weeks ago, is it's going to be through Safari and on the web where you could access xCloud and game streaming and have your fun that way through your through your web browser. And it's also going to work the same way on Windows through the web browser. And this is coming in spring 2021. Again, it's not not exactly through through not exactly set in frame yet with a specific time on when it's coming. But spring 2021 is when it's coming. And the way I see it is that this is a big move for Microsoft into putting Xbox into more people's hands because, of course, not everyone can afford a $200 Xbox One S or $500 Xbox One Series X. So you're getting you're getting Xbox games on your phone, your PC, and your tablet for now. What is it, $15 a month, which is a lot more affordable. Yeah, um, as someone who's tested XCloud um, via by Pixel, and I'm currently using Stadia, which is you know as much as I mocked it, actually pretty good. Um, the browser solution seems to be the best thing, I think, that works for both Microsoft and Apple. Um, and I'm, again, I like to think the best of both companies. I think that we have developers and engineers on the Microsoft side who are speaking in constant contact with Apple, uh, people who run the App Store. And as much as Apple would love to take a 30% cut of each game being sold and have <laughs> the ability to kind of um, regulate which games are being uh, distributed on the platform, I'm sure the headache of doing that uh, is not lost on them. This web solution allows them to still be a proprietor and having Safari be the default web browsing app to run this. And as I think they, I think Apple does a similar version of uh, reading partial app code or app snippets or something like that in order so 
on the app itself, it'll open like a regular app and then open the browser as a, as a native form of playing these. So the user won't be, you know, they won't necessarily feel that they're being kicked into something else. It'll just reopen the browser to let them start playing. And it, it, if they're on their phone or if they're on a tablet, if you're on your computer, this makes, again, more sense to just have the browser open for you and have a stream that way. Again, if you haven't tested Stadia, um, it does it almost identically this way. You don't feel that you're playing in a browser when once it, once it commences. Once you're playing, you feel like you're just streaming and, and playing that. Um, so yeah, I think this is great. Um, I think that this is the best workaround yet um, for for both companies. So another thing that's also great is Windows 10X, which Microsoft has been very, very, very quiet about. We haven't heard much about it since. I think it was around maybe this time last year. They, they've been very quiet about it. But rumor is from our old friend Zach Bowden at Windows Central that the final Windows 10X build has been compiled. And I know you have a lot to say about this. We were yeah. chatting about mm -hmm. it on Friday when we heard the news. I want to start this off with, I wish we could start it. Maybe you'll find it a, a GIF with that diet spreading salt everywhere. Cause <laughs> as much as I love, you know, Zach and his journalism and working with him uh, and, you know, talking to him and stuff like that, I feel like this Windows 10 X stuff um, so far is just a lot of salt. Um, again, they went. We don't know nothing. We don't know nothing. No one has said anything about it except Panos Panay saying last a couple months ago that they're refocusing on on things devices that people use and need right now and bringing microsoft 365 to devices that people use and need right now which is why we got the surface laptop go yeah um and I, again as you said we don't know anything about it and this is on purpose from microsoft because they had a big splash when they um, announced the surface duo and the surface neo um, both products got, you know, equal spotlight. Um, we've now since seen the Duo kind of take off, where the Neo, which was running Windows 10X, has disappeared. Uh, Microsoft has publicly acknowledged that they are focusing on single-screen devices and will revisit dual-screen devices when appropriate. Right. Um, again, this is, again, lawyer speak for saying nobody's buying or nobody's <laughs> making, uh, aside from Lenovo, which recently came out with that, X1 fold. fold Nobody's yes. making these dual screen or foldable screen device PCs. Maybe uh, you know uh, Samsung is making it on phones. Microsoft's making it on phones. LG's making it on phones. But no one's doing uh, a, a a plus seven inch um, device. So they're not you know they don't need to allocate resources to it. But according to Zach, there has been a team working in the dungeon uh, to bring this forward. Now my question is. Um, what is it going to look like if it's you know still coming out for single screen devices, or are they just going to keep leading people on until the hardware is there? You know, will we ever see Windows 10 X come out uh, unless Lenovo, HP, or Dell start making more foldables? And as of right now, foldables are kind of in the VR phase of, of <laughs> you know, public consciousness. Like people know they see you know, a foldable phone, but it doesn't mean anything to them practically in their life. They don't really need it. They don't want it. They'll play play around with it and they'll give it back to their friends and go back to their single screen device. So um, the, the other question we've had, and this is kind of, you know, and I'll, I'll need you to play devil's advocate for uh, our stand-in. Uh, our editor-in-chief, Kevin, uh, 
and I were going back and forth last week about the necessity for Windows 10X. If it's there, uh, and if it, you know, if if it exists, if it's there, how does this help Microsoft? You know, you know, they still have Windows 10, Windows 10 S mode, uh, and then they have the various like home and business editions. Where does Windows 10X fall in this? And especially if they're using Android for their phone, which is probably going to get way more use. Um, per person than, you know, a PC would, what does Windows 10X represent? You have to, you know, play his version, because I kept saying that Windows 10X doesn't move the needle for Microsoft. I don't think any Windows products move the needle really for Microsoft in the direction that they're going for the future. They are moving towards the cloud. This is what Satya was brought in to, to kind of shepherd. Windows 10 is... Uh, nice to have it definitely still brings in a ton of revenue but going forward when it competes against chrome os um you know mac whatever version they come out with <laughs> at some point down in the future big cat um, 10.0 or something like that yeah you know saber tooth <laughs> 7.1 or something whatever <laughs> they say um where does windows fall and you know when and into um kip's point windows 10 s has kind of come out with a thud um it isn't picking up steam. Uh, Microsoft is continuously losing space in EDU right now. Uh, I think the latest numbers that he was showing us during this conversation I, he and I were having was that uh, Chrome, at least Chrome OS, at least in the US, has garnered about 60 plus percent in, in EDU. So it's, you know, Microsoft's bag to lose and they're losing it right now. Windows 10 S isn't saving them. Does Windows 10 X help at all in this situation? What do you think? I personally am a believer in Windows 10X, and I'll tell you the reason why. Maybe I'm just buying into Microsoft's uh, marketing logic, but you see right now, what what do people need? They don't want to go and buy a $1,500 or a $1,600 PC. They're looking to spend something between $100 or probably $500 max, or maybe even $300. So if you look at that in the in the current space, You'll get a PC with a Celeron or or what is it like a really Pentium or really Pentium bad, gold. really bad, really really bad PC. And Pentium Gold is Windows, that. Windows does not perform well on that kind of with that kind of CPU. So Windows 10X, the way I I'm reading the rumors and the way I'm seeing things is that this is meant to be a very 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 lightweight version of Windows, as Zach keeps saying, it won't have 32-bit and 64-bit app emulation. Initially, it's only going to be through the uh, download apps through the store and use your web browser. But this is things that people are doing right now. What what they're doing right now is majority of the work is through Google Google Classroom or, or Microsoft Teams or Microsoft 365. People are using devices and doing stuff on the web. And Windows 10X is aiming to go after that education market and give people a device for $100 or $200 that can take on a Chromebook or take on Chrome OS. Well, see, and I think that was part of Kip's discussion was that Windows 10X is there to take on Chrome OS. And I think I pushed back. And I pushed back pretty hard. We were talking about this for like three hours, I think, <laughs> or something like that, that uh, Windows 10X in my opinion, isn't for that. Windows 10, Windows 10 S mode is for that. 
And uh, aside from um, its naming convention, Microsoft needs to work on its EDU platform to compete with Google. Uh, I know that the Chromebooks are coming in at like $150 or something like that in bulk orders for, for schools or something of that nature. So yes, the hardware is relatively cheap, but the platform that Google has created for EDU was, was pretty astounding the way that um, teachers can jump in and out of um, uh, sessions with their students right. and kind of give them uh, editing and creative notes on the fly and and kind of in a whole grading uh, apparatus was built into it. So um, Microsoft has a lot of that. They don't have the mind share and it's, you know, some of their stuff is a bit clunky. I think if they can figure out their EDU platform, streamline that and push that with S mode, they'll have a competitor. Right now they don't. Um, but again, with all that being said, I think X is actually designed to keep enterprise at bay and keep Panos happy. Because what's going to end up happening in my vision is that Windows 10 becomes or is effect effectively now legacy. Uh, it is now the Windows 7 of enterprise. People <laughs> people on Windows 10 in business will, will stay with Windows 10. And I think this is part and parcel with um, what was we just get last week? The um, um, it's slipping my mind. The the thing that has been testing feature just, feature experience pack. There we go. Yes, um, that has been brought to help kind of develop Windows 10X in public while keeping Windows 10 uh, enterprise business people happy. They don't need to update. They don't need to worry about new features. Um, if you know if it comes in demand by their employees, they can kind of flip a switch and bring it over. But Windows 10X is going to be designed, like you said, to put on a Surface Go 2, um, to put on maybe a, a Surface laptop, a version of a Surface laptop for, for people. It's going to be something to show this is what a new Surface will look like. And you'll have a version that you can get, sort of like how they've kind of experimented with the AMD, saying you can get a Surface laptop with AMD, you can get a Surface laptop with Intel. You're going to be able to get these Go versions of um, you know, consumer-grade devices with this Windows 10X, this, this wholly lightweight new browser version. And it isn't meant to be given in schools. This is going to be meant to give to people's moms, families, uh, that just need a computer to basically launch an app or launch something on the browser. Again, not for education, just to take to school and have 20 plus hours of battery life and, and run the simple stuff. I still think that 10X is like the dream child or the baby of Panos and that now he's in charge of both Surface and Windows. He's trying to push like Surface to new boundaries where it's not just, oh, it's another $1,500 PC for Microsoft. He's trying to push the push windows and push, push Surface to new places. And by taking a risk and stripping out the legacy stuff and just pushing out a lightweight version of Windows that looks nice and feels nice, it, it's going to try and, and change the way, like you're saying, change that legacy Windows look get people to think think new ways about Windows 10. Yeah, and with this uh, feature pack that they're doing, again, if you are running, you know, um, all of your old apps, your your Active uh, ActiveX things, stuff like that, on a on a laptop, the Surface laptop or a Dell or an HP things like that, your admin's not gonna have to worry about when Panos decides he wants to put in shifting windows and starts moving <laughs> File Explorer in different directions and you know putting touch everywhere because you'll still have Windows 10. But 
if you get enough employees saying, hey, you know, I was at home, I have this computer at home, uh, I, this is the way I kind of do my video editing with this new Windows 10X, can we get something like this? He could flip a switch on and say, bring me that feature and I'll start testing it on this platform. So again, Windows 10X, future facing for service devices. Uh, and this is, you know, also I'm hoping going into IoT and stuff like that. And Windows 10 and S mode being more of the traditional uh, workhorses for uh, both education and enterprise. It's definitely going to be something that everyone is going to be, it's a new controversy for Microsoft, just like how this SMO thing was a couple of years ago. It's going to be something that everyone is talking about and complaining about. You'll, yeah. see, the head, you'll see the headlines on The Verge. I reviewed Surface uh, Go 4 and I couldn't run Google Chrome. You'll, we'll start seeing those yeah. things again. But um, if you really think about it, and you really look at why Microsoft is doing these things. There's a purpose, and you just need to step back and look at the broader picture. Yeah, and again, within context, like again, if people are people gave Chrome OS, I'd say seven to ten years to develop. Like, right. yeah, you know, they kept saying it'll get there. Meanwhile, Microsoft tries Windows 10 S mode for six months, and everyone's like, it's a failure. <laughs> I'm like, again, S mode. I think having used the Go. Um, the service go to and the laptop go is a, is an excellent platform if you know its limitations. If you're going to just be doing um, web browsing, uh, and I think Chrome finally did their um, ARM version or something like that. If you're going to just be doing web browsing, and I think Edge is doing Edge Chrome is doing an amazing job, you're fine. If you're going to be using Spotify, which is already there, iTunes, which is already you know all these you know Instagram, Facebook, those these apps are already well not Facebook, but Facebook can be done on the web. Um, Twitter, things like that. These are all in the app store. PWAs um, are the future, everyone. That's where, yeah, that's basically once PWAs become a thing, it'll be kind of the same way that the web was an equalizer for the Mac, where, you know, you had a million applications for Windows. As soon as people start moving to the the browser and when moving to the web, the Mac became a viable platform because people would say, yeah, I can do everything I need to and have better hardware. That'll be the end around for Microsoft again, you know, with, as they're competing against um, um, people using iOS as the the, the the cudgel and the clutch for Mac OS. Um, once stuff moves back to the web, people are going to say, hey, I can use a Windows PC just as well as I can use anything else. I can develop for either one. I don't need to buy Mac hardware to, to make this app. I can just use the browser. But anyway, long story short, <laughs> um, I think that, again, we'll need to see in context if this even comes out because this is a rumor from Zach. Like Microsoft hasn't talked about developing anything for Windows 10X. The, as far as we know, the door is closed until further notice. But he's saying that something, sometime next year, we'll start to see and hear more about it. So if and when that happens, please keep this in context that Windows 10X, it, I don't believe, is necessarily a competitor for Chrome OS. Uh, it's going to be this weird future-facing OS for Microsoft. And with that being said, it'll have all of the pros and cons of being something new. Okay, and something that is new, which everyone has been talking about. Which is has a lot cyber, of cons. Which has a lot of cons, <laughs> a lot of pros, and a lot of controversy too, is Cyberpunk 2077, which I'm sure everyone who's watching this or listening to us has probably heard of the last week. So if, if you live under a rock or you're of age and you don't know what Cyberpunk 2077 is, no, it's not like a piece of 
uh, costume or a movie or a TV show. It's actually a video game, and Cyberpunk 2077 is based on a dystopian tabletop RPG that was launched in 1988. The game is set in Night City, which is a large American city created by the developer CD Projekt Red. And you play in the game as V, a mercenary outlaw who's going after a -a one-of-a-kind implant that is key to immortality. The game is from the same people who developed uh, The Witcher 3. The Witcher 3, if if you're in with update updated with your Xbox and your video games. So anyway, this game was announced in 2012, and now it's finally launched after so many delays. And there's a lot of controversy around it because of bugs, not just on Xbox, but also on all the other platforms too. Yeah, no, it it had a big splash, was it last year, when Keanu Reeves showed up at E3, I think it was. Uh, And, you know, he was the darling child of, of... of media at the time he's still i think uh, he's a special human being i think he's awesome uh but he was kind of the face of of this game and there were you know grandiose promises made uh high in the sky stuff um you know as far as the story and what you can do and modifications both to the game to the player to the city itself um it was just a lot it's going to be one of the best open world rpgs to come out um, and in that, you know, in the time it was announced, other things came out like Last of Us 2, which showed, you know, not only could there be great storytelling, but there's been um, an amazing visual fidelity to that. Uh, Spider-Man came out, which can, you know, again, also push the boundaries on visual fidelity and what you can do in an open world as far as uh, animations and fluidity. Um, so there was, there, was some, there was a lot that came out. And so people's expectations have risen since the, this announcement. So keep that in mind as we kind of go through some of the cr- criticisms that have you know been handed to this game since it's been released. It's been kind of a bumpy release with the Xbox, the original Xbox One and PS4 players getting these subpar experiences. You know, uh, there are uh, missing visual elements. Things have been smoothed down, uh, at least from the you know demos that people have gotten. People that are on Xbox, Series X, I think just X, because I think the Series X still has issues too, and the PS5 um, are seeing better performance. Um, they also they've also had to kind of switch and choose between you know doing HD, 4K, uh, making sure that their uh, frames per seconds were were you know adhered to to get these visual performances. But only the people on PCs have been seeing what the developers uh, were promising these, you know, great ray tracing elements, this, you know, uh, top-notch performance. And this is all just visually presenting, aside from the bugs, which every platform's had. Uh, it's, it seems that the game has been tiered um, visually for everybody. So you're, if you're an Xbox One owner, a PS4 owner, you're not getting the same experience. And not that you normally do SPC, but it's, the gulf is ridiculous. Uh, you can go online and see screenshots of stuff that looks like it's from the PS2 Polygon <laughs> era. And these are people that are playing on PS4 and Xbox. Uh, and then you have kind of a gradient in between for people who are on the PS5 uh, and the Xbox uh, X. The Series S is having issues visually as well. But again, and uh, PC owners have been getting the best experience. And this just kind of falls flat for everybody who was expecting this amazing game uh, at launch. Well, now, uh... Yeah, go ahead. yeah. I I've been playing it on PC, and our Laurent, who was 
on the show a couple of episodes ago. He played it on Xbox Series X, and he he said that it was a pretty solid experience, and he didn't have any major bugs. But it's important to note that he played it on Series X and Series X, which currently run the game in backwards compatibility mode because uh, the next-gen upgrades aren't coming until next year for the game, and it's locked to 60 60 frame, you get the Xbox One X version, which uses a 60 frames per second performance mode by default, but you also could set it to 30 frames per second in the quality mode if you want for like lesser, like better performance actually. And he said that the game feels very smooth in performance mode, and he didn't notice a big difference in graphics after trying out the quality mode. Meanwhile, on Series S, you get the Xbox One S version of the game, and it's only locked at 30 frames per second with no performance mode option. He did, he said there is a notif- noticeable difference in terms of visual quality on the Series S, but the performance feels solid, and he didn't encounter anything that made his eyes roll. But personally, I've been playing on my PC, which I also play Flight Sim on, and I'll tell you that there are a lot of bugs, even after the patch that came out. I think it was Saturday or Friday, but yeah, there was a there was a day two patch that came out, and it still didn't fix a lot of the problems that I experienced. Like you could be in the middle of a cutscene, and you'd see like random polygons of trees in the background, and suddenly a car would drive through a wall or something. <laughs> but if with that aside. If your system is capable of playing the game and you turn on ray tracing and you turn all the settings to high, it is a visual masterpiece. I've not seen a game look like this in a very, very, very long time. Like I tweeted out a photo, a video of uh, driving through cyber, uh, driving through the city, and the way the lights reflect on the road and the way the the car behind you light flashes on the side of your car and the way everything looks when it rains. It's a fantastic visual masterpiece. And the game itself is also amazing because the choices you make, I believe the Walking Dead games are like this, where the choices you make can impact how the game proceeds and the different missions you get. If you make a choice, you could get a different result than someone else who made a different choice. And that's really impressive to to be able to push the story mode that far. I, I really like the game. Yeah, um, that harkens back to the the Mass Effect series, which, again, uh, as a franchise, has been amazing because again, something you do in Mass Effect Two still rings true in the third one. So it isn't like you're starting completely over. So as you said, these uh, choose your own adventure story elements are huge, and and I think part of the fun gameplay. But I just as a person as a fan of you know games in general um it's just sad to see that again well a lot of people would have to wait till next year to get these next gen upgrade performances when they bought a console this year uh you know if you were fortunate enough to do it i mean maybe this is all working out in everyone else's favor if you couldn't get a hold of it just wait apparently and then when you do get a hold of it the game will be ready for you just buy a Surface Book 3 and play it with like ray tracing there on like go. I did. You'll, you'll be very happy. Yeah, get yourself an external GPU, <laughs> save yourself uh, you know, a couple, couple hundred bucks, and you'll be all set. Well, I think that was our last topic, which means it's time for the week ahead. I'll, let Kareem, I'll let Kareem get into this. 
Yeah, let's jump into uh, we have the Microsoft New Studios initiative, and this is uh, a lot of what of our week, our week ahead stuff is coming from last week's uh, Game Awards because Microsoft decided to just throw up news on everybody. <laughs> uh, at the same time, I believe Marvel or Disney was doing that with Marvel. They just threw out a bunch of news. So I was, you know, on different monitors trying to keep up with, you know, Winter Soldier and Falcon coming over it and you know, finding out that Halo uh, Master Chief is going to be in Fortnite. These are just some of the things that are kind of coming out. So again, we we're talking about Microsoft's new studio, the initiative. They unveiled Perfect Dark reboot um, at the Game Awards. Um, we also have the Flight Sim, yes. uh, which is something I'll let you talk about. Yeah, Flight Sim is finally coming to Series S and Series X in summer 2021. Xbox consoles. Yeah, so get your storage prepared because that is a pretty storage-heavy game. Uh, the Arc Two will be on the Series X uh, and S consoles. Um, and they'll be they'll be starring Vin Diesel, apparently, is going to be in this. So uh, at least voice acting. So uh, this should be fun for people that are interested in that. Okay, and I think that, that covers everything Xbox. So now let's move into everything Teams. Wait, wait, we have one more thing for oh. Xbox uh, before we get into Teams and close it out. Uh, Microsoft did quietly, very quietly, uh, have a team explain what happened with halo so oh yeah right i forgot about that there was a quiet interview released about what happened with the halo launch uh, halo infinite and the devs kind of spoke to it saying that um basically they were rushed for time uh and i think every studio is kind of feeling this uh, a need to kind of put out content before it's fully ready which is why we're always talking about the day one patch why this has become a phrase in the industry um, and they didn't want to do that so what they're doing is they're pushing the game out to fall of 2021 so basically going to be a year delay to kind of get it where it needs to be visually they talked about what they wanted to show this summer was gameplay footage and unfortunately um, it was overshadowed by the fidelity the visual fidelity that was lacking from what everyone expected for next-gen consoles so the team is kind of you know sheltered in place so to speak and they're kind of putting the nose to the grind and and giving the visual elements the due respect that that every game is expecting. There have been some screenshots, some stills of what it looks like, and in the stills, you know, these visuals are amazing. Like they, they you know, the details on the guns and um, the details of each player and the customizations they're talking about that are going to be coming to this uh, this game is going to be pretty amazing. So again, Halo um, will be ready for people next year at probably the same time as Cyberpunk. So Again, don't feel bad if you haven't gotten a console yet because great things are still coming. <laughs> uh, I think Kareem uh, covered the news, which I was so quick to skip over because uh, me and Laurent fight about this all the time. I'm like, I hate Halo. It's not my kind of game. I'm not into it. So, But I know Kareem and Laurent and Kip and everyone, Dave, everyone who writes for us, they're all into <laughs> Halo. But all I care about is teams, apparently. You're not alone. I'll let you take it. People love teams. <laughs> so there was a lot of teams news this week heading into the holidays. Today is what December 12th and Christmas is coming up. So there was a lot of te- teams news heading into the holidays. The first one is something that everyone always complains about, which is how are we going to try out these new features that Microsoft always talks about? Well, Microsoft finally launched its Teams public preview program, which lets users preview and test upcoming features. There are now channels inside of that to match the Insider program, which is beta and dev, 
basically just matching what you get with everything else across Microsoft. So now you have more more ways to go and test out these new things, which one thing you could test, I believe it is the the ability to try native notifications in yep. the, what do you call them? Toast tiles instead of having the, the pop-up the banner, tiles. Banners, right? Yeah. And then uh, Microsoft also started rolling out the virtual breakout rooms feature for a limited number of GCC tenants, which is something that everyone was asking for. And then uh, Microsoft is also launching some new experiences in Teams. They're rolling out a new holiday themed uh, together mode scenes and custom backgrounds to make virtual holiday gatherings more fun. I believe uh, Ravi, one of our authors, she put together a nice piece with a bunch of backgrounds that you could download if you're thinking about meeting your family virtually over the holidays through Teams, through the new personal Teams, which we talked about a couple weeks ago. Yeah, um, Teams is huge, uh, especially uh, with our current situation. So if you have uh, time to set up something, uh, please do so to, to meet with family, to catch up, to uh, you know have a happy hour to hang out, stuff like that. I mean, it can be used for more than just um, business. Uh, now Microsoft is kind of expanding its use cases and allowing people to you know create uh, rooms and create meetings that are tied to their Microsoft business accounts. So, you know, use it as you would Skype or Zoom. And, uh, but in order to test the features, I do believe those are tied to admins, allow flipping the switch um, on your business accounts to, to allow you to do that. So uh, if you want to try them out, talk to your admin, your IT guy, uh, tell him you want to try it out, uh, and then he should flip the switch for you. And I think that pretty much covers everything we wanted to talk about today, unless you have any final thoughts to add. No, we ran a little bit long today, but uh, I think it was, I think it was all good, good stuff, good information. Uh, hopefully this will be something to keep you busy while you're working or at least <laughs> working hard at work this week uh, while you're longing for that uh, Christmas vacation. Uh, thanks, everyone, for watching, and we hope to see you again here next week. Oh, oh, let's give our Twitter handles before we forget. I am at, at ABACJERN, and you are? Mindhead1 on Twitter. So, again, feel free to, to reach out if, if I've gotten anything wrong about um, the app emulation or anything of these stories. We're always, uh, I'm humbled by corrections, so please let me know. Yes, you could always email us uh, at podcast at onmicrosoft.com if you want to chat with us. We even could get you on the show if you want to. So, yeah, we're, yeah. We're open, yeah, we're open in the new year to bring uh, some of you amazing uh, followers on. Like You guys are full of information in the comments. I love reading them. So we'd love to have a discussion with you. Yeah, so everyone, thanks for watching, and we hope to see you again soon. Stay safe.